big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. This is Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And I wonder if you enjoyed the topic title for today, I'm Exhausted. Have you ever felt that way as a, as a mama? Um, perhaps actually we might also be talking to dads here or other folks, so everyone's welcome. Have you felt exhausted, but particularly around parenting? We would love to talk about this today because it's such a common experience um, particularly for mamas we really are more talking about mamas so but please include yourself if you are of any other gender oh feathers just arrived he's he's dogs the dogs are welcome too (laughs) (laughs) this is we might need to we probably should stop putting a disclaimer at the beginning of every podcast so there's birds and there's dogs and you know we're just normal mums so anyway (laughs) just keeping it very real real. this this topic of i'm exhausted is very real like we both can absolutely relate to this in our parenting journeys that it's turned up in different ways you know for sure haven't we so much so yes my washing line is sitting right in front of me so yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I think we, we really want to include that we talked about this last week because we were really we're so much about compassion and having deep compassion for ourselves as mothers and having deep compassion for you as mothers and um, so to do that we really need to include all the times that we have felt exhausted or or particularly I think in our early journeys I think we're in quite different places both of us now around this but in our earlier journeys both of us uh, and we're going to talk about more about this had quite quite um some way to go in terms of valuing our needs and listening to our feelings and learning to say no all of these things are so much part of preventing exhaustion mm. I think it, it feels to me that that it just like mothering and we are talking about mothering but we're talking about parenting here but mothering and exhaustion just seem to be completely linked like that's the kind of go-to when you see mum how are you I'm so tired I'm so exhausted I know that was my story for a long time when my kids were little people like how are you my default was I'm tired (laughs) just constantly I didn't feel like I was getting enough sleep I wasn't getting enough time for myself the default was it's hard it's exhausting and that's just what it is so you just suck it up and get on with it and I think that is still very much what the parenting paradigm looks like on some level out there today is that it is just all about giving. It is complete servitude that you just give to your children and they get older and it gets a bit easier. And I think that's what we've just come to accept of that's just what it is. But, you know, we would love to offer that it doesn't have to look like that. There are plenty of times when it does look like that. And I think this podcast is about exploring some ideas around our belief systems, around exhaustion and parenting. It's also around things that we can do to resource ourselves things we can do in those moments when we're feeling like we don't have enough in the tank and I think perhaps challenging the bigger picture of what we want this to look like as parents because we can have flow and ease and a family where we don't yell at each other and we all get our needs met like it is completely possible even though I think we're sold a different picture so I think that's what we really both wanted to explore today 
And I love that you bring in the bigger picture because you know that's one of my particular passions. So mm-hmm. I, I would love to, let's go really big. And if we think about it, you know, I talk a lot about colonization at the moment. And really, if we think about the, the situation that most people live in, and probably most people who are listening to this podcast in colonized countries, is that the norm is often um, nuclear families, lack of community, lack of uh, family support, and really also these very embedded long-term cultural beliefs around what it means to be a mother in particular, um, beliefs about the, the lack of value in mothering. It's not valued in our culture, and, and yet to me it's one of the most important things. You know, we're literally shaping the, the, the psyche of the, the next generation. But this culture doesn't value that, doesn't it? doesn't value support um, and we have often been taught as little girls and then women and as as mothers as we become mothers to to look at all the mothers around us and our own mother and often that was um, that we don't have needs or that our needs come last on the list or if we do have needs other people um, should uh, be aware of them before we are and take care of those needs without us actually asking for them uh, guilt is so much part of this paradigm. This is guilt is not an inherent um, fact of human nature. We, we've talked about guilt in earlier podcasts. Uh, guilt is part of the paradigm of punishment and harshness that this this culture is all about. So, really, when we're talking about um, changing our relationship with ourselves and our needs for support and care and community and compassion all of these things we're not only making these internal changes we're not only changing our behavior and the way we reach out for help and support but we're also involved in social change and that's why I really like to to look big picture because I think as mothers it can be so easy to go um, to to judge ourselves, you know, I talk to lots of mothers. I know you do too. I was like, people judge themselves. Like, Am I doing it wrong? Why is it so hard? It's inherently hard in a culture that does not value mothering, that does not have community support, and that is built in a whole load of judgment and guilt and shame and negation of needs. I mean, that is a recipe for exhaustion. So if you feel exhausted, exhausted or exhausted, even there is nothing wrong with you. It's not something, um, you know, that's your fault. It's part of the paradigm. But although it's not your fault, there are absolutely things that we can do as individuals to change that experience and to create something very, very different from uh, for our family, which I love is what you're saying. It's so possible to have a different experience for, for so many of us. I love all of those things. And I it's just making me think too, as you're talking about the bigger picture of how we've been set up as mothers and how that looks. And there's also that piece too around whether you choose to work as well as raising your children. There's also the whole element of sexuality and who you are as a sexual woman when you become a mother. Like, And most mothers when they're inexhausted are like, I've got no time for anything remotely sexual. Like, Do not come near me. Don't touch me. Like that part completely gets lost as well because we're so much in the giving that we, we don't have any fire left at all to feel that energy and what that's like. So there's so many layers to this around, I think, that whole, I, and I guess the setup of mother, of that we've got to do it right, it's got to look this way. And it's still, often when I worked in birth and when I'd be working with new parents and what I would always say to these mums is this illusion that we have that your house should look 
like a catalogue and you should fit into your genes as soon as you've had your baby and you should love being a mom and you should flow because that's what's still set up and sold is that's you know that's what it is is ridiculous it's just a complete illusion and look it's getting better because i think women are being a lot more real these days talking about what it is like to become a mother and and i often say you know when we become mums we go through the death of the ego we go through a part of who we think we were to move into this place of often about giving and that is a huge transition for a lot of us and sometimes we don't like that and we hold try to hold on to what it was like before and then we feel this real disconnection going on internally so there's so many layers to this this bigger picture and it isn't just about we're doing too much i mean of course it is the lack of tribe and community to help hold us i often used to joke with my friends that we all need a wife i I need another wife in my house so someone can cook the dinner while the other person's bathing the kids and my and my partner might be doing something else and i mean i really could understand why a wife would work um but just another person or another woman who gets what it's like to to do a lot of the stuff that we do in that mothering or someone just to hold the space while someone else is making dinner, like, you know, that, that could be incredible. So I, I just really come back to that exactly is what you're saying, Marion, you know, this feeling of I'm exhausted is completely understandable because we're, we are trying to do this in a system or in a, in a, a structure that isn't there to support the bigger picture of who we need to be. Yep. I really remember when my kids were little that sometimes uh, I, we had lots of parents, our parents and my parents and my partner's, ex-partner's parents in different countries and they would come over occasionally and there would be more grandparents around and it was so wonderful. There was someone to do the cooking. There was someone to be with the children. There was someone doing their own thing. There was someone earning money and, and really I do think to to keep coming back to that bigger cultural picture that I think in human history that has been how things have been in most cultures for most of the time that there is there's a big community of people who can who are all working together I mean the craziness of being in each other little houses where everyone's making dinner it's, mm. it's just that the whole system is really um, not mm. set up to, to mm. um, support families to thrive. So I think keeping coming back to this, the big, the bigger picture, it's, mm. <laughs> this is hard. Mm. I, I remember having this conversation with one of my friends when you know, my kids were little, so I was still breastfeeding, I think my third and, um, you know, juggling three kids. And I remember the times when I would get my period every month and I was done. And especially when you're breastfeeding and when you bleed at the same time, it's just like, it's just like, it felt like there was nothing left. And she would be like, okay, I'm going to make dinner for you for like three nights so that you don't have to cook. Like that's one less thing. And I was like, yeah, awesome. And then I'll do the same for you. When we were like, it was an amazing thing to actually support each other in those times, except then our cycles linked up and then <laughs> both like... <laughs> he's gonna make us food no and look i'm talking as in my husband didn't do he's an amazing man and he's completely supported all of that but i think there were those elements where i was like how do we do this better how do we do this better we used to talk about a hotline that we would set up for that when your child was having a really big meltdown and it felt really overwhelming that you could call someone and they could come and just support you or they could come and make the dinner while you held you know we, we used to brainstorm all these ideas of how it could be different to create more support for for us when we're in the middle of those things but 
Mm. And I, and again, the 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 normalness that that's what we are designed to to want and need and thrive on is the connection with others. I really remember again when my children were little, if I was hanging out with another mama, which you know we did a lot in those days, and because my kids didn't go to school as well, there was a lot of hanging out. That my my um capacity as a mother. I could feel it literally going zoop up. So my capacity for attachment play, my capacity to, you know, if there was some kind of thing going on around how can we all get our needs met, I can just stay present, listen to everyone's needs. You know, I had so much more capacity because we are designed to live like that. And there's all this talk nowadays about co-regulation. I mean, we were really designed to be in community with other adults because literally physiologically emotionally in all ways we have more capacity when there are others around us and particularly others who are in you know supportive ways obviously not if they're not being supported but that's why it's so important to to actually get to hang out with other mamas other parents other other adults so that we you know we really get those needs met on on a really basic level ah so agree with you completely yeah all of that even when I was really exploring where parenting early on and I didn't really know many people who were doing it and my friend you know I wrote to her and I was like you need to read this book <laughs> like I need someone to talk to about it <laughs> and we would hang out and to, it was almost like this beautiful giant experiment so when one of our kids would have some big feelings we'd both sit there and hold the space and watch and observe and then after they'd move then we'd talk about it and break it down it was like our own little study group <laughs> how we did it but you're exactly right the support of having somebody else there who just even energetically was sitting there saying ah oh, you're doing a good job I'm with you gosh that made such a huge difference in, in the early stages of learning how to be with big feelings and emotions yeah which is yeah why why those beautiful groups that we set up are so important yeah. community is so important uh, same for me I remember having a, just a few other friends because I had that same thing when I, when I first came across a web parenting when Lana was a baby well but, but when I was pregnant with her but when I first started going I really want to do this and I need other people I knew I need to know other people who are doing this and I was literally taking I bought loads of copies of the Aware baby and I was taking around to bookshops and yoga classes and mums and babies groups I say like, I'm going to find some people who are going to want to do this and it's so so important and I do you know I'm sure you do too I work with mamas who don't have anyone in their locality and that's you know online stuff is so great and we're so into all the online stuff as well but you know it's really really hard if you actually don't have anyone who is practicing this new paradigm way it's really hard so mm. my heart goes out to you and my hat goes off to you if you are mm. in that position because it makes all yes. the difference even just having one other parent or family who are um you know on a similar wavelength yes completely and i think one of the big things when parents do come to us around i'm exhausted and it feels big and how do i do it when i'm in that state and for both of us i think our go-to is we'll do the preventative stuff like so that you do not reach this point like that's the ideal right of taking care of your own needs and um, having some time out for yourself and talking to somebody if some feelings come up for you and doing all the things that we've you know we advocate for through all these podcasts around caring for ourselves but I have found in my own journey and perhaps you in, in a different way Marion that 
yes, that all sounds really good in theory, but the stories we have around taking care of ourselves, around having a break, around what that means is often the biggest obstacle to actually us getting our needs met so that we aren't in this exhausted parenting paradigm. And, you know, this has been such a rich experience for me in my parenting and and i was we were just talking about before we started recording i wanted to share this story because this was probably one of the second times i ever spoke to you um when i'd been doing aware parenting for a little bit and some issues were coming up with my son and um and i didn't know how to work with them and i was really stuck and i i think i came to talk to you marion for some guidance around it and what came out of the session is because, you know, I think you suggested do some more attachment play or something. And I was, I remember putting my head in my hands going, I'm too freaking tired to do attachment play. Like I've got nothing left. I don't want to wrestle with him. I don't want to play Chasey. I don't want to play trains on the floor. Like I, I just want to go to bed. <laughs> like I remember feeling this wave of like, I don't want to do that because there's nothing left. And then when we dug a bit deeper, you know, and, and you so gently would have guided me to go, well, what's the story around that? Why, why, why are you tired and why can't you have a break? And what I uncovered within all of that is that, wow, just such a really big imprint from my family of origin. I come from a family of women who are all just doers. So, and my belief system was if you're not doing three jobs at once, then you're lazy. So you don't sit down and take a break and you don't really take care of yourself. You just keep going that kind of really full on, put your head down, just do it, you know, suck it up, that kind of stuff. And so I had this really strong belief system that if I took a break or I took time for myself, or I went and rested, then I'm lazy. And so that felt really challenging to me to actually even do that. So then I created this whole story. Well, the only way I can get a break then is if someone gives me permission to have a break, which means I either get sick, which I didn't want to do, or life looks so hard that maybe my husband will be a mind reader and he'll come home from work and he'll look at me and he'll say, Lael, you look so tired. How about you go and have a break and I'll make dinner and bath the kids and do all the things. So therefore I created this whole story that it had to look really hard. And so parenting felt hard and I was resentful and there was not a lot of flow going on in those days because I was waiting for my husband to come home and read the signs and give me permission to have a break. So that was a bit of a big revelation. <laughs> I kind of sat on all of that and went, oh, gee, that story's been working well for me. <laughs> And it was then I remember saying to my husband, oh, my God, I think this is what I've been doing. And he's like, just ask me what you need. I'm like, I don't want to have to ask you. You should be able to read it. You should be able to read my mind and see what I need. And, and it was a huge, huge game changer in A, not only realising that I could ask to get my needs met, B, it was about loving myself enough to take a break and to actually setting, putting in place boundaries for myself so that I could actually say this is non-negotiable I have to take care of me so it was interesting because I kind of got it but then about another year and a bit later I actually developed post-traumatic stress uh, disorder which was you know from a previous trauma but that really took me out of the picture where I actually couldn't work and I couldn't do much where I was almost forced to be really vulnerable and take care of myself. So I don't suggest getting to that point. You don't have to get to that. You can actually hear the signs earlier or you can even just listen to this podcast and go, oh, what story do I tell myself around whether I deserve a break or not or whether I can ask to, for support or whether I claim that for myself. So 
I had to really do it the hard way on many levels to actually learn that in order for me to be the best mum I, I want to be, I have to take care of my needs first, which means I need quiet and I need body work every few weeks and um, I need to do things that fill up my cup and I am worthy of doing that. So it was a huge paradigm shift for me. It was tricky in the beginning, changing the belief system from, you know, I can just go and lay in on my bed and look out the window and that doesn't mean I'm lazy. And I may have shared this too. In the beginning, I found it tricky to even ask for that help. And I remember I'd asked my mother-in-law to look after my youngest one. You know, the two were at kinder and school. And I couldn't actually even say to her, oh, could you just come and look after Tali because I'm going to have a rest. I would pretend that I was working. <laughs> so that would be a justifiable reason why she could take my youngest because I was doing something instead of actually just resting. So I probably lied about that for about a month just to, you know, until then I went, no, actually, you can just have a break. You don't need to justify to anyone why you need quiet, why you need a break. And so it was a work in progress, but it was such a huge belief system, which I have seen so many times. I'm sure you have too, Marion, with women or, or parents we work with, around the stories we tell ourselves around why we cannot have space, why we cannot have a break, whether that means we'll be a bad mum if we take a break, whether we feel guilty, whether we're lazy, whether if I have time to myself, it should mean that I should be earning money. That's another big one that we see. So the beautiful stories that we tell ourselves around why we can't fill up our own cups. Mm, such a big yes to that now. <laughs> yes. I often find it can be really helpful if we're, uh, if you are feeling exhausted or burnt out or often resentment that can show up if if we're not getting our needs met and um yes is to is to go underneath and to go well actually what what do i really need and what what do i imagine would happen or what what feels scary about that for me what what my concern would happen if i actually had those needs met and that can often help us access what the those underlying beliefs are and I think often we did acquire them from our mothers because that was the kind of, uh, you know, that was the model that we received. So as mothers ourselves as well, I think that's why it's so powerful as we shift these things because our children are taking in and um, imbibing how we are being and how we're responding to our, to our needs. So that's not only a gift to ourselves, but actually a gift to them. I often think that children really want us to meet our needs they really want us to meet our needs they may may appear you know that they're not that they don't but they really want that because we are entirely different when we are valuing and honoring our needs and we are feeling uh, that sense of cup fullness rather than emptiness so I oh, so love that. Oh, I'm sorry I'm just jumping in and carry on (laughs) see that all the time yeah with parents where there's the dynamic with the child and the child's really acting out and the parents feeling really resentful and and what's underneath that is the child the parent is actually needing a um a break or they need to set a boundary for themselves so that they can resource themselves and the child is their behavior is so loud to push them it has to get so bad until they go i'm almost at breaking point so I actually will take a break. And so the child is the beautiful mirror saying, hey, 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 I'm just, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And, you know, because they're really trying to highlight the story. It's absolutely what you're saying is 100% true. I've seen it many, many times that the child is really saying, I need you to be the best version of you. So if I have to push you a little bit until you claim that for yourself, then that's, 
that's my gift to you. <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm offering you. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's amazing, isn't it? So amazing and so painful as well. And I know this in myself in, in younger years that we can often then think we can kind of blame them. It's their fault that we are feeling exhausted or that we're not getting our needs met. And, you know, that's the painful part of that old paradigm as well, rather than going as adults as parents, as mothers, it is our responsibility. Our needs are our responsibility. They are not our child's responsibility. Yes. And, you know, what you said earlier about your journey, mine was very similar with just wanting um, my children's dad just to know what I needed. And I, and I loved learning in um, nonviolent communication from Marshall Rosenberg. He used to call that female-itis, which is <laughs> not even really quite knowing what we need, but expecting that the others around us, usually our partner, will know what, not only know what we need before we do, but, but you know, offer and take action to support us in that. So it's a big journey, isn't it, to actually start to... to to um, start to value our needs, to start to heal the, the, the conditioning that we received often from our own mothers around what it means to honor our needs and listen to them, to then actually start to even speak and ask. You know, I love the way that you found to do that in a way that was kind of supportive of your journey. It, it's a massive thing to really to go through and, and of such a gift, not only, you know, I always go on about the bigger picture, but it's a gift not only to ourselves to not feel exhausted and our long-term health, but for our children, because I often say, if you imagine putting yourself in your child's shoes and they get to either be with you being exhausted and not valuing needs and, you know, being in those old um, paradigms and old conditioning around your needs and blah, blah, or your child is experiencing you with your cup full, valuing yourself, valuing your needs, valuing what you're doing, which would they prefer and how would they feel? How would they feel in their body being with those two versions of you? I mean, it's just as clear as day that, of course, it's, it's such a gift to them. But it's also part of changing the whole culture around parenting, that mothers are deeply valuable and our needs are deeply important. And if we're going to be able to support our children to flourish and to meet their needs and to listen to their feelings, all the things that are so beautiful in aware parenting, we cannot do that if we are exhausted. We can't. You can't. It's like impossible to do attachment play or set a loving limit and listening to some big feelings and uh, you know, move in with compassion when there's a then there's a kind of an argument going on. That is almost impossible to do while you're exhausted, isn't it? I mean, really, it is. It's really, really hard. <laughs> which, which is a beautiful segue into what can we do when we're doing it. But before that, one of the other points that you just made me think about in saying that is, I think a big game changer was for me is just having daughters. And even though you know I have a son as well. But, you know, I, I feel like the imprint on my daughters of what it is to be in the feminine, to be a woman, uh, they were just watching all the time. And if I did not value myself and love myself enough to take care of myself, how on earth were they going to learn that? So it, around everything, I just began to model what that looked like, to take care, to be slow, to, to model what good self-care looks like or model what I needed when I'm feeling fragile or, you know, and I, I've watched and witnessed that now with my daughters that when something's going on for them, they'll often go, I'm going to go for a walk with me music or they'll sit outside of a tree and they'll paint or they'll draw or they'll journal or they'll come and ask for some listening or so I, I really watch that they get that now about what do I need and how do I take care of myself but I always say these kids can't be what they can't see so you know we often need to model 
what that looks like. So, you know, I, that was a huge motivation for me to change the story because even though my mother is awesome and I love her and hi, Barb, if you're listening. Um, and <laughs> she, she totally says that she goes, Oh, I gave you a rubbish imprint on boundaries and um, taking care of yourself because that's, that was her. And she absolutely acknowledges that now. And, and only in her sixties and seventies has she learned to take care of herself now. And so we've talked a lot about that. I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to draw the line in this lineage of women and make it different so that they can see that. And, and, and again, also be supported from my partner with that. So that in, in valuing enough for myself and really honoring that he completely honors that in me as well. Like that's mirrored back. So even if you have a partner that's not supportive of that, we need to claim it for ourselves because then that changes the energy and the dynamic within that. So I feel like that's been very, very powerful. And for my son to witness that as well and what he takes into his relationship. So I think it's, yeah, there's that little element, super, super powerful. Um, mm. But I digress, but we were going to go no, into... to me that is not digressing at all. <laughs> so I love that. I love that. I love that. Do you know, I would love to pop in there that... Um, my journey with my mum, again, I love my mum. My mum isn't listening because she doesn't listen to podcasts, but hello, <laughs> mummy. Um, she, and still does have to a certain extent, a thing around uh, just she'll give anything to anybody and she, and she doesn't say no. And for me, it was really also learning about saying no. And we have done a podcast on saying no. We're, we're really passionate about us claiming that. But, you know, for me, it became really about also listening into how I felt in my body. Like uh, mm. so often, and this is part of the practical in the moment things that we can um, that we can do is really starting to, and that's part of what you're saying is reclaiming our bodies knowing and that actually our body will tell us when we have a no to if our child is asking us something and we actually really don't have a yes to it. And it is not of service to them to go, yes, sweetheart, I'd love to do that for you. When we actually, our body, everything in our body is going, no, I really don't want to do that. It's a so much more service to actually to be, to be authentic in that because we're also supporting them in listening to their bodies and also they they understand they can feel in our energy if we are saying yes when it's a no they're going to feel that they're going to be often like you were saying earlier when children are not getting um a clear yes or no from us they will keep asking often when children are doing unenjoyable stuff it can be because we're actually not being clear and they're like is that really a yes do they really mean yes and they will keep doing the thing to, to for us to get clear and finding that finding that no has been so important because what I found for myself if I was just saying yes and yes and yes and yes and yes and that just leads to resentment and often resentment to the people who are just actually wanting a clear is it a yes or a no our children or our partner or our ex-partner whoever it is it, it's such a key thing to be able to say no when when it's a no Yes, I, I so love that. And um, I'm sure if parents are listening and they've got like a two-year-old, they're like, yeah, but how do you do that with a two-year-old? And look, you know, sometimes that is easier to honour that when your kids are a little bit older and you can communicate and talk with them about it. And how that might look and how that's looked for me sometimes is just with older kids, it's been like, I, I really don't want to do that, but 
um, maybe give me 15 minutes to have a break and then we could do something or I'm not willing to do that but I, I am happy to do this you know so um, <laughs> my daughter when she was younger uh, when she was about four or five what she loved to do part of her like special time was she always liked to play um, dance schools where she was a dance teacher and she'd make me do all these dances and when I was tired I'm like I want to go to dance school <laughs> so she'd be like let's play dance schools and you know in those times where I didn't have that I'd be like oh honey I don't want to play dance schools now but I'd really love to snuggle you and read a book if that would be okay or you know how about with this and then maybe later we could do dance school so it was still she I was meeting her need for connection but it also sometimes was in a way that felt like I had reserves to do it. And then other days when she did want to play dance schools and I was willing to be ordered around and made to do headstands and all sorts of stupid stuff, I was happy to do that. So, but look again, if you've got little people and you're like, well, how do I do that with a two-year-old who perhaps doesn't understand that? Sometimes that is about um, just meeting them, even kind of in a halfway capacity of you can see their need for play, but maybe doing it where you can actually lay down or sit on the grass outside and that still gives you a little bit of connection or it could be they want some connection and you you know it, it could be you, you read books quietly together or something like that like it sometimes there is always a way that we can find a willingness to have a have something that feels good for us and still meet their needs and sometimes that is you know it is a, a delicate dance I don't feel, I'm, I feel like I'm not explaining that well, but do you, mm, you know, you, no, I think you you are, I, like, I, I like how you're explaining it. And I think that part of that is, is that compassion with ourselves mm. when we do have a no, because sometimes, and for example, if it's, you know, you you have a baby and your baby is communicating to you that they, mm. that they need you, that there's mm. going to often probably be a time where we have a like, Oh, the difference mm. is, I often find he's just even taking that one second just to be mm. compassionate with it. Oh yes, we are, you are tired or yes, you'd really mm. prefer to, you know, stay mm. asleep or whatever it is. But so we're being mm. compassionate with that part. And then often I find we can then find a willingness because we're connecting yes. in with our values and what that might be yes. like. I really want my baby to know that, um, that I will respond to them when they, when they need me, or I will go and pick them up if, when they cry, or I, I'm there to respond to their needs in an attuned way so we can tap into that value whilst honoring our here and now tiredness mm. or other needs, connecting mm. with the value and then find a yes. I am actually, mm. I am willing to do this, even though I'm exhausted, because I want my baby to to know that I respond promptly when when they ask me. So we can we can often find a yes in if we first even just give a little moment to to compassionately hear that. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh, I love that so much. I love that piece there of the values because that is exactly it. I think. Yes, that piece of the acknowledgement, because we all need to be real and acknowledge how we feel. But then that element of actually what is part of really important to me as a parent is to for my child to know that I am here to listen. So, yes, I can find a space within myself. To, I, I love that. that. That really resonates with me because even I was, I was remember one of my beautiful immersion groups with a group of mums and we were talking about how there's times where we felt exhausted and we've kind of, you know, said to our partners, can you please come and be with the child if they're crying or raging? 
and um, because we're really exhausted. And then if our partner comes in but starts to kind of go into a bit of power over or authoritarian, we were laughing that, you know, there's nothing that makes you shift from being exhausted to being able to be resourced is when you hear someone talking to your child in a way that doesn't feel good, all of a sudden you're like, yep, I'm back. (laughs) I'm so willing. (laughs) Yes, because that doesn't feel good. And I think that is, that's really important, those values part of, you know, there's a bigger picture here and, and look in those moments when sometimes we do need to dig a little bit deep to turn up, to hold that space. You know, I often then would say, okay, I'm reaching the capacity here. So what do I do for myself now? Which may be that, you know, you go and have a bath after your kids are in bed and you go to bed early. Like you don't, you know, numb out watching Netflix (laughs) for three hours or you do something, you call a listening partner, you do something that is okay. I'm at, a, I'm at a place where I'm feeling really done, you know, what is going to fill my cup up now because that's there's the edge that I can see. Yes. And I'd love to add in the other piece, it's almost like we've had, what, three different ways of responding when we have a no. Um, so I loved how you were talking about finding ways to get both of our needs met. We're, we're talking about um, what happens if it's a, a baby or a young child where we really, mm. we really want to find the yes, and that's mm. often connected with our values. There's also, and particularly after our child's like two or three, when they do start to um, you know, be able to wait and understand those kinds of things, is, is also learning to, to be able to say, no, sweetheart, I'm, I'm not willing to do that right now. Or, you know, after this book, I'm not willing to read anymore. And I'm right here and I'm listening. And to listen to their natural, normal feelings around that, the mm. disappointment or the sadness. or uh, And also knowing that that's often an opportunity for them to express other feelings that mm. will show up then. And sometimes that can be the the step we take of of saying mm. no and listening to their hurt and their pain and knowing that that is a gift to them you know no's are really loving and again we have done a whole podcast on saying no so feel free to go and have a listen to that if you want to dive in deeper there mm, i love that i also found to you know look at I don't know how you, how this is tracked for you, Marion, but for me, when my kids were little, really under five, were for me the most physically exhausting years in the sense I was often breastfeeding somebody, <laughs> one of my kids, like you know, for years. And, um, and there was just a lot of physical needs and you weren't probably having full night's sleeps and, you know, it was felt physically exhausting. And then as they became a little bit more independent and got bigger, it, it lessened. So it didn't feel as, you know, full on. And then as they've moved into teenage, years it's felt that it's been a little bit more emotionally exhausting because there's a lot more you know bigger feelings on listening to in-depth stuff and having to do other kinds of work so there still has been elements of feeling exhausted even though I have got much better at taking time for myself and really claiming that like that's just part of my weekly life now that that I know that on these days I am I don't talk to anyone and I just literally lay on the bed and stare out the window or I just I fill up my cup in whatever way I need but there are times where I have been in the exhausted place because I'm doing more work and my kids are, you know, mum, can you drive me here or could you do that? Where I have felt this like, oh, I really don't want to do it. And, and what I've discovered is that my kids have kind of read that situation or we've both discovered it ourselves that they would actually then say, um, can I do something for you if you could drive me to, you know, my friend's house? And they would like, well, do you need something if you could do that for me? So it became this beautiful exchange, you know, which I really loved where 
sometimes I would initiate and say, yeah, look, I'm really happy to do that, but can you just fold the washing before you go? Or even though we have like stuff that we contribute to our family, but there was like a, I can see you doing something for me, mum, you're a bit exhausted. Can I do something back for you? And that, that also made it created a new willingness because I felt like, yes, that's a beautiful thing. And that you were, they were happy to support me to support them. And so that felt pretty beautiful as well that they're doing it. And then I think I shared this with you, Marion. I loved that my daughter must have just heard this languaging. Like in the last two years, my youngest one will come to me and say, Mum, are you willing to drive me to my friend's house? Oh, Mum, are you willing for me to have a sleepover? <laughs> she uses the word willing all the time, which I love. <laughs> it always kind of makes me smile and it makes me want to go, yes, I am willing, darling. <laughs> I love it. So there's that role modelling again, isn't it, of um, how we want it to look, how it honours for them. You know, and even saying, I've said to them, are you willing to take the dog for a walk? And I'll go, well, not now, but I will in a few hours. And I go, okay, cool. Like that works mm. for me. So I think there's, you know, these beautiful role modelling and teaching opportunities, aren't they? I really want my children to have strong nose and I want them to honour their bodies and themselves and, and again, that, that is so much part of the modelling that we do for our kids. Mm, so much. So beautiful. Mm. I would love to go back to when you talked about staying up all night on Netflix. Yes. Because I find that part of this can be not only um, reaching out to ask for support from other people, but also our own internal relationship around our needs, which I think is, is the, the primary thing anyway, because mm. everything comes from that. But part of it, I... I have found as well is learning things like that like um ah yes if i do stay up for hours watching netflix or whatever it is and then i feel tired the next day and i particularly remember this um, a few years ago when i first started creating online courses five and a half years ago i said to myself okay for the first year and i did this for the first three years like every morning i got up two hours before my kids so that I could do that and that was like the first thing I did and I very quickly found out when I was getting up at like five what was it like five thirty-five, forty-five every morning um that if I went to bed the night before then it would made it very hard to get through the day because I would literally be doing so often uh present time with Sunny and I'd be like oh I'm really tired I'm finding it very hard to stay awake so it's like really learning I, I found and there are times still where I still you know, step late a few times and go, oh, yes. But actually really learning to do the things that we're doing in aware parenting with our children, like setting loving limits with ourselves, which is not coercion or punishment, not blaming ourselves, not going, you know, I'm a terrible person that I've stayed up late. I'll give you a little example. About a week ago, I did stay up late watching something or other. I can't even remember what it was. And the next morning I did feel a little bit rough. I felt kind of a little bit off the whole day. But the first thing I woke up in the morning and what I realized was way back years ago, I would have first of all shamed myself. I would have gone, you know, terrible person because you stay <laughs> late. And of course you're feeling rough. You know, you, I can't even remember what I would have said, but it would have been terrible. And then I would have punished myself and felt guilty. And then I would have coerced myself. Like, you know, you cannot go, you, know, you cannot go on ever again. And you never, you know, and you're terrible. All of that stuff. And that is internalized from the culture that we grew up in 
and that's often you know mainstream parenting is treating children like this so part of this is part of the reparenting is you know i really noticed how i woke up and i felt rough so i connected in and with compassion oh sweetheart my loving crew feel really getting really rough oh yes i am so i sent some love towards my different my body and then i you know had a day where i really listened into myself and i just took things easy and I, I set a little loving limit for myself. So I, I said, you know, tonight I'd really invite you to go to bed by whatever time it was and 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 no Netflix tonight, sweetheart, because <laughs> you're really going to feel even worse the next morning. So the ways that we can do all these things, and what I love is I learned all these things through doing this with my children, listening to their needs, listening to their feelings, being compassionate with them, setting loving limits, and we can learn to do all those things with ourselves and it and that is part of um avoiding exhaustion because it's listening with love and compassion for what we're feeling in our bodies like oh sweet mm. and i found for myself i think i've shared this in another one that i really remember a day i was driving along and i'd been driving my daughter everywhere for ballet and da 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 doing all the stuff and i was really tired and i was driving and i felt so tired and i had my inner loving mother that's part of my work saying sweetheart I so hear you're so tired, you're so exhausted. And I, I could kind of breathe in this love to all the sensations of the exhaustion of my body. And I, yeah, I'm so exhausted. And she just kept saying that. And I actually feel like I have tears coming again. You're so exhausted, my darling. I know, I, I really hear, and I'm right here. I'm listening. And I was like, yeah, I'm really exhausted. <laughs> and you're like yeah i i know my darling you're doing so much and i so value all that you're doing and i was like oh. and i and i felt it and i received the love and i felt the tears and then i went i can remember the exact road i was driving along by the time i got to the end of driving along the road and my daughter's in the car as well i was like sure i don't feel at all tired anymore i don't feel exhausted i don't feel tired that doesn't always happen but there's something about the receiving of the compassion and the just being heard in holy mackerel, you're exhausted. And whether that's with our inner loving crew, if you've already know that, that work of mine or whatever your own version of that is, or if it's phoning up a friend or an empathy buddy, or if you have um, support and outer support person to just show up and, and stand in the I am so exhausted and to be met with the utmost unconditional love and mm. compassion for all that you're feeling the the absolute power in that mm, I love that so much and I love the well it comes back to that that basic need that we all have to be seen and heard in it and what we probably don't need in those moments of, well, darling, you should go to bed earlier. <laughs> we need someone to go, yes, I see you. You're doing so much. This is challenging. Yeah, I love that. It can really shift it, can't it? And I think that beautiful internal process is so powerful. And sometimes it's also, as you are saying, it might be reaching out to a friend to just hear that verbal validation, you know, that helps us. Sometimes it is actually taking the pressure off ourselves to go, I'm having a day where I'm super exhausted. So yeah, we're just, we're going to eat nothing fancy for dinner. We're going to have takeaway or you can tell your carrot story, Marion. <laughs> share that beautiful story. <laughs> when we were going through, we are going, what are we going to talk about? And you were sharing something about, you know, just for that day, you could just like, just have something really easy. And I'm like, I, I really remember Patty Whipfler, who's the founder of 
hand in hand parenting or parenting by connection, which is very um, resonant in so many ways with aware parenting. And I remember her saying something like that, you know, just, just, you know, just give, let yourself do that. And I, I literally took that on for years, <laughs> like just easy, the most easy food <laughs> possible. So I was just laughing kind of hysterically that I, <laughs> I took that to the really the nth degree. <laughs> it's carrots for dinner again, kids. Carrots. <laughs> <laughs> Carrots and hummus again. (laughs) (laughs) Or at times it's breakfast cereal or it's, you know, that's left, it's keated up or, you know, I've, my local health food shop, Santos. Uh, yeah. has provided so many of our lunches and our dinners <laughs> I, th- I think that's that is just sometimes it's a really good thing when we don't have anything left in the tank how do I make it easy or yep. my go-to used to be when I was really like oh god how are we going to do the dinner thing I would go right fairy picnic outside <laughs> and I would literally make fairy bread and cut up fruit and cut up vegetables and that was dinner and the kids thought it was awesome and I would lay outside and they would run around and eat and I'd be like yeah that's it that's all I've got and so some days it's like that and that is okay because we have we're human and we have to be deeply compassionate with ourselves and sometimes we've we've we can only do what we can do. And even though I think when you have this awareness of parenting with consciousness, sometimes when you can see what needs to happen, but you don't have it within you, it is good to just go, okay, well, today I didn't catch that. And today I don't have that in me to do it. But tomorrow I might be more resourced to do it. Tomorrow I might feel like there's more for me to hold in space. And the beautiful thing about this is you can trust. If you don't catch that with your kids, they'll bring it to you tomorrow. <laughs> they will go, hey, here's this bit that we didn't work through, so here it is again. And, and sometimes that's it. So sometimes I'd be like, yep, you can watch another movie. Yep, you can eat more crap. Like there were days where I was like, yeah, not feeling like I'm being a very star parent here, but I was doing the best I could. And I also knew that, um it was about kind of just survival on some level and then tomorrow or the next day or in a few days when I have more there then I can turn up and hold in whatever was needed and it was totally trusting that my kids would bring that when they needed to as well and so that I think for any of parents who are listening who have this story around guilt I should be doing it differently or I shouldn't be doing this I really offer you to as Marion says, put that guilt stick down and actually say, you know, again, if we come back to the beginning of this podcast and our lack of community and tribe that we have to support us, we are doing an extraordinary job. And even for parents that um, are single parents without the support of a partner, I just go, oh my God, you guys are extraordinary. You're so amazing in just what you are holding all the time that, you know, without that exchange or support can be just even trickier. So, Sometimes it is absolutely about, okay, I'm doing the bare minimum here. I need to just, you know, we're getting through and what do I need to do to take care of myself so that I can turn up with more spaciousness when I'm ready, when I've got that there. Sometimes we can only do a little bit and that is okay because there's always opportunities for repair and there's always opportunities for more listening another day. That's the beautiful thing about us where, you know, we can flow with that. So yes, really checking in with those parts of yourself to not, not guilt yourself out, not to beat yourself up. It just is there are days where it is like that and that is okay. And especially, you know, times when you get sick, I think one of the biggest things I used to find the most challenging as a mum is that 
I would, when I got sick, I was like, what do you mean? I still have to do all the mum stuff and be sick at the same time. It was like I missed being sick in the sense of that when before children, if I was unwell, I would just be unwell. Whereas, you know, I often found that when I was unwell, I was still having to do all the mothering things. And, and so that felt even harder. So there were those times where I was like, okay, let's ask for support. Let's ask for help or whatever we need within that or just simplify so that we know we can we can heal and get through with whatever we need to do. I think that's yeah, always comes back to the compassion again, doesn't it? So always does, so does. And I don't know about you, Lo, but I found for me that there was a really big difference between just doing doing the okay, I'll just do the carrots and hummus or whatever it was, but I'll guilt myself, I'll pick up the mm. stick and to judge myself and shoot myself around that too. When I go. I realized that then that didn't really help because I was still this, that was adding to the exhaustion. The guilt is exhausting yes. in yes. itself. So yes. when I went, okay, I'm, it's going to be the carrots and hummus. Yes. And, and I have so much compassion for myself around yes. that. I'm not going to not willing. I am not willing to judge myself. Yeah. But that, because then we actually are then allowing ourselves to receive the support of making that choice, which is all about, comes back to really what we were saying at the beginning around changing the paradigm for us as mothers and as women to actually seeing the sacredness of, yes. of being, being willing to receive, being willing to receive. And yes. Yes. Oh, hello. 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 Yes, um, <laughs> dogs know all about this. They're like, I want this thing. I want this thing. I want this thing. I want a pat. Mm-hmm. I want a pat. <laughs> I want that. Mm-hmm. Give me that. Um, do you remember that workshop we did years and years ago? And it was all about, mm receiving and we did a whole mm. do you remember we did a whole thing around yeah. how do you feel when you're around receiving this and this and mm. and it can be a really helpful thing to be exploring for ourselves as mothers like, am i am i willing to receive this support and how yes. do i feel do if i feel uncomfortable what what how do i feel uncomfortable what shows yes. up for me and i am yes. i willing to then go and go to my empathy buddy or my friend or journal or my therapist yes. or counselor whoever it is and actually share what shows up when we think about receiving because um you know the way i see it is when we are offered love whatever needs love will show up so if that's parts that go you know i shouldn't or i'm lazy as you said or you know i'll be whatever it is that needs to be loved in order for that to be released so we can increasingly be willing not only willing to receive, but actually to really enjoy it. Like, whoa, my goodness, yes. that was so yummy. I love receiving. <laughs> yes. And I also would love to add to that, that on the that, that willingness to have the support in your life, like, and to say, yes, this is amazing because this is an act of self-love and kindness. This doesn't mean I'm not coping and it doesn't mean that I can't do a good job, all those stories that we tell ourselves. But a lot of what I see often with parents is that, you know, that, the story that we create around, but there is no support. Like I don't have any family support or, you know, I don't have any friends that can look after my kids or we can't afford it. And I often love to kind of gently challenge parents to say, what if we opened up to the possibility of support? So the story that says there's no one there to help me or I can't get it, you know, where are we protecting ourselves from what it might mean if I do have a break? So I see this a lot with a lot of mums that are really exhausted, but they create, we have a whole story that says, but there is no support, I can't do it. And and if we looked at, all right, well, what's the story we've got going on around why you can't have support? You know, sometimes for a lot of women, well, if I actually get support and I take a break and I'm still 
and a hold of stuff might come up and I don't really want to feel that. So I don't want to go there. So it's actually easier. It serves me more to stay in the exhausted mother phase. And I know we're getting into a bit more of other subtle nuances with it, but I, I always love to come back to, look, even if in a practical way we go, I don't know how I can have support. I love to open up to the possibility of support. Play a game with yourself that says, I am willing to have support in my life. I am open for that to come in in whatever way it does. Now, that could be that a new neighbor moves in next door and they have a 17-year-old daughter and they're like, I need to babysit and it costs you $5 an hour or whatever it is. It's really cheap and she's perfect. Or it may be that you meet someone who's a grandmother who's away from their grandkids and really loves connection and would like, I'd love to come and play with your kids while you, you know, it just there's so much possibility out there for support. Sometimes the biggest obstacles is that we limit ourselves or we're trying to protect ourselves from what it might mean if we get that support so I love to offer that as a game to play what is the possibility of support how could that come in and sometimes when we just even open that up within ourselves and we put it out there to the world that I'm willing to have that support the most amazing things can drop in that you couldn't even conceive of that's just turn and go wow that's how I can get some time for myself and that support turns up in a way that's effortless so Play the game a little bit if you can around, you know, how that support could turn up in your world that feels good for you, that, that mm, feels good. I love that. It's so much. That's what I love about the willingness work around. For me, I know if I'm really willing for something, even if I connect in with it and I connect in with my willingness. So if I were to connect in right now with I am so willing for more support and I really am willing for it, I can, I can also I'm actually feeling the resources in the here and now moment. So I can actually feel like, Oh yes, that's, it's like we're tapping into that already. And then, mm. you know, life responds to our willingness. So I love all the way, you know, there's all so many amazing and surprising ways that that can show up mm. for us. Yeah. So gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the other thing we talked about that, um, that when we are feeling exhausted and we are feeling burnt out, one of the greatest ways to restore our energy or to help us feel more resourced is to do things we love. So sometimes, you know, it may not be that we have that extra support or we don't get to sleep, but we can actually go to a dance class because dancing makes us feel amazing or we can do reading might be the thing and that that something just you know reading for half an hour makes us feel wonderful I don't know whatever it is for you but the opportunity to tap in what it is that that we love that gives us a spark that fires a passion within us is also something that can fill us with some more energy and vitality that we can then bring back to our family which is why this whole bigger picture is so important is that when we tap into who we are what we love we follow our passions all of that brings a better quality parent to our, our children, you know. So so that also has to be the priority. And, and again, I hear this from so many mums of, you know, I do love dancing, but I can't get to a class or, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, let's work with some willingness to get there first. Let's look at how that could be a possibility because that is going to make you feel amazing and that's a step towards, you know, being feeling and being the parent that you want to be. Mm, I love that. So if we're feeling burnt out, that's what I love that. If you think about burnt out, it's like, okay, mm. what lights us up? Or what I love you said, the spark, yes. what's, what, that's the antidote. Do you know what I was remembering actually when, when my daughter was about two and I really wanted to go ice skating because that was my passion as a younger person. And, and what would happen is when I would go and leave her with her dad, she would cry. She would feel upset. 
and I know for me initially I needed to to listen to a whole lot of my younger parts who experienced a lot of separation as a baby as a as an older child in order then to be able to because initially I, I just as you were saying I was like oh no I can't <laughs> can't is always an interesting word to notice yes it is I can't it? I can't mm-hmm. go or I have, sometimes people hear people say my child won't let me yeah. um is also is really noticing where we're giving up our own, our own power as an adult and to connect in with, okay, well, what is showing up for us here? And I know for me, I really needed to do some, some inner work around my own loss and separation mm-hmm. so that I could leave her knowing that she is with her dad and that she, she did have some extra feelings to express, which weren't so much about leaving me, but were to do with some of the repression mechanisms that I mm. had given her, which you can find out about in other podcasts. But I absolutely needed to go. It would have been so much easier. And it was for a while to just go, oh, mm. you know, I can't go. She won't let mm-hmm. me. Yes. <laughs> to actually, oh, my goodness, I need to do some inner work to, to really feel comfortable enough with my own inner feelings to be comfortable enough with her feelings and to trust her dad, that her dad can Mm. hold her and can be there with her. And I think this often shows Mm. up a lot for mums around trusting dads and our own feelings around how our dad was with us and our Mm. feelings Mm. and, you know, really, um, you know, shifting that. So we actually Mm. can, (laughs) we can actually go Mm. and do the the ice skating or the dance class or whatever it was. I really remember that being quite a big journey for me yes completely I, I hear you on that I, I similar I my middle one she wouldn't whenever I left would just cry and then I can't leave because she's you know and then it was actually like yeah actually yeah I had to really look at I knew she was safe and she was held and as soon as I got clear on that and I was actually I'm doing this for me and and that feels good then she stopped on many levels because there was that clarity again of this actually serves me and serves you and you know it did shift and change stuff so yeah it's big I think this is you know do you want to say something else yes Mm, I did want to say something that I I see again if we're looking at the bigger picture of this that I tend to see mothering as like in between it's the whole journey for me is is one that we're designed to be on it takes us from maiden and I, I love all your work around maiden maidens into mm. it used to be crone but now there's this thing marga i think that's mm. how you pronounce it the marga which I think is so. like yeah it's kind of like before the crone but it's after that it's like the next step on mm. from mother and i mm. and i really believe and have found in my own journey and i wonder if you have two layers that it's kind of almost set up to support us in doing these things it's like the Mm. invitation okay are we going to shift our relationship to our needs and our feelings and to saying no and to honoring ourselves asking for what we want and for doing what we love (laughs) doing what lights us up and feeling passionate and all of those uh, things it's like the whole journey of mothering is the invitation to be yes. so that so that when our children are teenagers and when they do go out into their own lives in the world that we are then the marga we have done we've taken the journey the journey is about that so it's that is the invitation i see yes hell yes to that hell i mean because yes. i think about when i hell yes to that when i turned 40 i saw a massive shift in my being where all of that moved because i'd done all those years of that servitude kind of stuff and had to navigate that so yeah after 40 i was like i don't care what anyone thinks anymore and <laughs> yes. this is my wildness and this is my passion about 
out and like the fierceness arrived of just the knowing of the soul. Yeah, I so love that. You're right. It's an absolute invitation into the coming home to ourselves and the fullness of who we are. And, and part of it is that necessary journey of learning how to claim ourselves and those boundaries and the care and all of it. Yes, it is such a beautiful yeah paradigm. So if you are in it, any parents, if you are listening, <laughs> just, you know, please take these invitations of caring for yourself or what may come up around your ideas around can I have support or what that means for me and know that there is a lot you can do to streamline this so that it doesn't have to be hard and a struggle. You know, there's a lot that can be, um, can be held in this journey for sure. Yeah. Do you remember what you were going to say before I went in with that because you were also going to say something i don't know i don't know doesn't matter <laughs> doesn't matter um, i do love that bit though i feel like that's just a beautiful you know bigger picture of the whole story within it this is amazing amazing so what would you like to offer marion as a just a beautiful offering or suggestion to um to finish off around i'm exhausted uh here's a little thing i love to offer if if you're feeling exhausted uh, I would love to invite you to imagine for just one moment that it's your child your child is the age that you are now and your child is a parent and you are now the grandparent and whatever they are saying about their exhaustion or their needs or whatever it is how how would you respond to them what would you say to them to support them to love them to encourage them and are you willing to hear that for yourself Mm, that's so beautiful i love that that's so beautiful that's the the gentleness of self that's so beautiful Uh, my offering i guess would be to just be curious about your imprints and stories around exhaustion or asking for help or support or you know what was imprinted to you what did you watch in your family particularly if it's mothers listening what was the imprint around women or if you're a dad listening what was your imprint as a male around self-care i'm sure they have even less self-care than what a lot of women do um what did that look like for you you know um so what what was the imprint and then how does that sit with you now you know and what what is it that you might be willing to have or how do you want it to look moving forward yes Yum, 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 yum. Mm, beautiful. Juicy, juicy. So juicy. Yes. Yeah, it is. Beautiful topic. Yes. And do, do you know what? In terms of resources, I suddenly remembered as we were mm. recording this, the first course that I ever, the online course, that, the first one I wrote. And do you remember, I, mm. about seven years ago, I went, mm. feel called to write this online course called Love Being a Mother. And oh, yes. how do I do that? Because you've got your About Birth, your gorgeous uh, mm. online course. And that was that that was the course that I wrote that led mm. me into online courses. Anyway, I've forgotten about it. It's not a course mm. anymore, but mm. it is a little ebook and some meditations. And it's, oh. so, this. it's so much about... Um, not, getting to change your beliefs around your needs, mm. getting to listen to your feelings, doing things that you love, seeing the bigger picture of mothering. So I talk all about the, you know, the, the witch burnings and all the, you know, the history around mm. mothering and all of that stuff. So anyway, that's, uh, I would love to offer that as, as a resource. Yes, let's put that in our show notes. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. And look, I think there is, there's a lot more information out there around self-care and um, how we, do that and how it's important so I feel like it is a conversation that's being had and that looks different to everybody so yes it's finding what resonates for you around 
resourcing yourself, filling up your own cup, you know, taking care of you so you can turn up, you know, and be the parent that you want to be. Do you know, I have one, a second invitation, which is after listening to this, would you like to just go and like, I don't know, wherever you are, dance around the kitchen or put on your favorite song if you're driving in the car Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, would you like to just spend five minutes just doing Mm -hmm. something fun that would just, you know, just get your energy going and Mm -hmm. like part of taking on maybe Mm -hmm. some of the things we've said, would you like to do something like that right now? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Beautiful. I love that. I love that. Thank you for being here, everybody. Please, you know, as always, you can share our podcast or you can write us a review if you haven't or you can, um, you can rate us, you know, through iTunes or however you listen. We love to have all that support. And we thank you for being here. And you're most welcome again to if you have a suggestion for a podcast, you can contact us through Instagram or Facebook and let us know. Mm. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much. So much love to you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.